Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Welcome back to those who are back for school. And um, Terry mentioned we're here to honor God and make disciples. And uh, one of the ways we do that, speaking of back to school and students, is we're intentional about reaching out to the next generation to engage, to um, establish, to equip, and to empower younger people. And if you're a parent, one of the easiest ways to do that is just to hang out with your kids and get to know their friends. Terry mentioned when we were in Portland, one of our reasons for being there was to spend time with our oldest daughter, Tara. And so I brought a picture just to show one of the times we were hanging out with her. These are her rock climbing buddies. And uh, we went out to brunch. After this, we went to a rock climbing gym. I think I was out of my league hanging out with these guys. (laughs) But it was a great time uh, just getting to know her friends. Um, She's the only girl in the group. And uh, so it was interesting. Not too long later, we were going for a bike ride, and we went to this nice lookout in the area where she lives. And we were talking about marriage and talking about God's purpose for marriage. And she's at that stage where she's processing and thinking about those things and where is she going and where is her heart at. And so we talked about a lot of things uh, related to God's purpose for marriage. Um, We talked about love and intimacy and companionship. She mentioned kids in the process. Of course, that's part of what family is all about. And uh, then we went on to talk about those other areas in more depth, but I I felt like something was missing because we kind of just glossed over kids real quick. And I said, you know, I want to come back to what you mentioned earlier because I, I think there's a lot more significance about God's purpose in marriage and family when it comes to kids. I said, Tara, you may not be aware of this right now because you're younger, but when you get older, you realize that there may be some things that are in your heart that you may not complete in life. There are some things that God has purposed in us But some of those things are not just through individuals. Some things God purposes through families. And the example that I used was David and Solomon. If you recall, David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. But the Lord said, David, this is not your project. This will be your son's project. God sees the destiny of not just individuals. He sees the destiny of families, even church families. God's purpose is beyond our lifetime, beyond your lifetime. God's purpose will be fulfilled through our kids and those people that we invest in. God's purpose includes us, but God's purpose is beyond us. And that's the title of this new series that we are on. It is Beyond. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, that you are beyond us. And Father, I pray that you would just expand our vision and our hearts to join you and be a part of what you're doing. And Father, help us to see beyond our lives into the next generation. Lord, help us to embrace and appreciate and value and support the next generation as we purpose to join ourselves with your purpose. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today is found in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 20, which says, It was by faith 
that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau. Today I want to highlight just one part of this verse, just one phrase, and that is this phrase, promised blessings for the future. John was a leader in a church. He was also um, an employee, a staff person at a psychiatric ward. And one day he had an assignment to tend to a certain client. So this client was on 24-hour watch for suicide. And while he got to know this person, he saw that he was young, he was intelligent, he was handsome. In fact, he was a straight-A student all through high school. He was even a straight-A student all through the first three years of college. And then in his fourth year, he had to take a, a little course they had put off for a long time. It was a PE course, part of a requirement for his curriculum. And in his fourth year, he caught the flu. And he had missed so many days that he missed part of the requirement for attendance. And the teacher automatically reduced his grade to a B just based on attendance alone. And so he went to his teacher and he asked if there was any credit, any extra credit that he could do, any kind of makeup, and there wasn't any. This guy had been a straight-A student all of his life. His father was a straight-A engineering student and demanded nothing less. And when he realized, because it was his fourth year, there weren't any other semesters to make it up, there was no extra credit to be had, he realized there was no way he could improve or increase his grade. And after exhausting all possibilities with his professor and realized he was going to get a B in this class, his first ever, he went home, he went to his dorm, and he tried to take his life. Fortunately, by the hand of God, his roommate came back early and found him in time to call for help. Now he had been admitted to this psychiatric ward to be watched. And so John was there watching him. After his shift, John went home. And he um, was preparing a Bible study for Sunday school the next day. This was a class for couples. And as he was preparing, he thought to himself, you know, I'm a little disappointed. I waited until Saturday night to prepare for my lesson. <laughs> but he thought he would speed through the text, speed read through the text and prepare, you know, make some observations, some insights, and then present those to the class. And the text that he was studying included the story about Isaac, who had two sons named Jacob and Esau. As you may recall, Jacob and Esau were seeking and even fought over the same thing. They both wanted the blessing from their dad. In fact, Jacob went so far as to deceive his elderly and blind father in order to get the blessing that was intended for his older brother. When Esau, his older brother, showed up shortly after, he, he literally cried and pleaded with his dad, would you bless me too? And as John read the story of Jacob and Esau, he couldn't help but remember the young man who was on 24-hour suicide watch. All of a sudden, preparing this Bible study was not about the patriarchs. As John read the story, he couldn't help but remember that young man trying to earn his father's blessing. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just a story about the patriarchs. All of a sudden, he could see the faces of Jacob and Esau. 
He could see these young men who were pleading, desiring earnestly to receive their father's blessing. Through that moment of entering into the experience of Jacob and Esau and feeling what they went through, John realized the significance and the power of the blessing. The next day, John shared what he had learned in his Sunday school class, and he asked the students how many of them had received the blessing from their parents. And the silence and the tears were too many. After the class, the conversations in the hallway and the emails that followed asking John if he could tell them a little bit more about this thing called the blessing resulted in a book that he eventually wrote by the same title. This was the topic of his thesis when John Trent studied for his PhD. I read his book called The Blessing 20 years ago. I highly recommend it to everybody in this room. It's a, it's a classic, should be standard reading for every Christian, every follower of Christ. But I have to tell you that when I read that book 20 years ago, I didn't get it. I realized that today I was looking at the book as if it was a formula to give me some practical how-tos and some principles to be able to live life better and have healthier relationships. But I realize now the difference between doing and being. The blessing needs to become a part not of what we do, but who we are. The blessing is part of the culture of God. And you know something is culture when you do it without even thinking about it. I want to share with you a story to talk about the importance of giving the blessing. Most of you know the military history here on Guam. After the Japanese occupation, the American forces came back. Uh, there's, this is a true story. Marines landed on Saipan. The next day when they woke up, they saw that the ships that had delivered them were gone. And now it became a do-or-die mission. And so uh, they went on. Later they found out the reason their ships were gone is because American intelligence found out there was a Japanese fleet coming down from the north to reinforce her soldiers. And so the American fleet went out to meet the Japanese fleet in mid-ocean. They both sent up their fighters, and there was a dogfight in the sky. And it was a terrible loss for Japan. For every one pilot that the U.S. lost, Japan lost 12 pilots. They later called it, in history, they called it the Great Turkey Shoot. Later, there was military analysis and evaluation about the war on many, in many theaters. But in the Pacific theater, that was a turning point of the war. And they realized the reason that the Japanese lost so terribly, because after they shot down all the Japanese fighters, the American fighters went on to bomb the Japanese fleet and sunk the, and sunk the whole fleet. And that was the end of the war for them in the Pacific theater. And they found out the reason they lost so, so bad is because the Japanese military was in the habit of sending their veterans out on the field. And so the new, the new trainees back home didn't have the corporate wisdom and experience of those who had been on the field for many years. Whereas in the U.S. forces, they had the veterans back home in the training camps teaching them everything they needed to know. The moral of the story is that many of you who are older Christians, sometimes you hear us talk about making disciples focusing on the next generation, engaging with them, equipping them, empowering them, you may wonder, well, what is my role? Well, you have a tremendous role to be at home 
training the young people because you have gone through life. You've been through the hardships. You've, you know what it's about to have family, to go through spiritual battle, to go through financial struggles, to go through all the stages of life. And you can prepare and equip younger people for what's expected ahead as they go through those same stages. My point is this. May God allow us to be a people who give our blessing and help the next generation, generation succeed in the struggles that are yet to come. This is the culture of God's kingdom. It's a culture of blessing. And you know it's culture when you begin to do it without thinking. God blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And as a result, these men blessed their children and the generations beyond them. And like them, we too can have faith and bless the next generation. But sin and this world system promotes division, disputes, dissensions, factions. God's kingdom, on the other hand, promotes unity. And it's through unity that God has a plan to unfold across generations. He's looking for people, people of faith, who recognize his plan and will participate. And one way to do this is having faith and blessing the next generation. The very next verse in Hebrews 11, we'll go to verse 21, says, It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. I think it's important as we talk about having faith to bless the next generation to talk about the object of our faith. In other words, who are we having faith in? I think it's important to place our faith on the right object. Our faith is not so much in people. Our faith is in God and trusting that his promises apply to them and he will complete what he began through our family and through your discipleship line to complete what he began. You know, I remember our story that uh, there was an anniversary for every nation in the Philippines. And so many of the young leaders there, they said to Steve Morrill when they got up to give thanks about what God had done, they said, thank you for trusting us. Steve later commented, he said, actually, I wasn't trusting you as much as I was trusting God to work through you. And that's the idea with the blessing. The promised blessings of God are the primary way that God imparts a new identity and a new destiny in the hearts of every person. Your identity is how you see yourself and how you feel about yourself. Your destiny is your understanding about why you're here has to do with your purpose. And he uses blessing to change the way we see ourselves. God uses the blessing to change your purpose. He uses the blessing to give you a new identity and to give you a new destiny. If you recall, Jacob was a sketchy character. He was known to be a liar. He actually deceived his elderly father, took advantage of his age in order to get the blessing from Esau. That was Jacob, but because of God's unconditional favor and because of God's blessing, Jacob was transformed. In fact, when the change took place, God gave him a new name, and he said, you will now be called Israel. In the church age, we might say that's the day that he got saved, maybe. Both Isaac and Jacob received the promise of God from Abraham, 
And they walked in God's promises and saw the promise grow and unfold. In the same way, the next generation here on Guam, in our church, in your home, should be blessed with a significant role and encouraged to trust God for even greater things. We live in a world that I mentioned earlier promotes independence. Because of past hurts and fear, we can tend to isolate. The enemy of God uses these things to prevent us from being able to have community, to be able to have intimacy, to be able to encourage one another. And that prevents us from being able to give and to receive the blessing. Imagine somebody gets hurt, they get offended, and in their heart, or maybe even out loud, they might say, oh yeah, that's the way you guys are? Well, forget it. I don't, want to, I don't want any part of it. These are the kinds of thoughts that we can struggle with. I love the story of how our Every Nation pastor in Singapore overcame this struggle. When he was just a young pastor, he got hired on staff at a very small church in Singapore. And one of his first responsibilities was to clean the bathrooms. It uh, didn't quite match up with the romantic idea of the missionary mystique. And at first, it was a struggle. But at some point, he just decided, you know what? I'm going to serve cheerfully. And so he decided that in his heart. And one of the ways he just enjoyed working and having his pastime is he used to whistle. And he would just whistle worship songs. And he just continued to go about his work and cleaning the bathrooms and doing other menial things in the church. And he, he just did that for years and just had a cheerful heart in serving. In fact, it became a little contagious. People would notice, hey, Larry, you, you seem really happy, like you're enjoying this job and this life, this stage that you're in. He's like, yeah, I am. God is really good. He was just at a place of contentment and peace. And so he did that for many years. But then there came a time where he really felt like God was leading him to launch out and to start a new church. And so, in transparency and trust, he shared that vision, that desire in his heart, with his boss, the senior pastor. Well, Larry was just a great pastor, a great person to have on the team, and he didn't want Larry to go. And so he didn't, he didn't encourage him. He said, well, you know, you can probably get more done, you know, sticking with us and staying as a team, and that kind of reasoning. But Larry knew in his heart that God was calling him to start something new and different. And, um, and so his pastor was not encouraging it. And Larry said, well, I know God's wanting me to do that, but I'm not going to go unless you bless me. And so months went by. And eventually his pastor came back to him and he said, hey, are you still thinking about that thing, you know, about starting off on your own? And he's like, yeah, I, in fact, God's just been confirming it. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I won't go until you bless me. And he waited until God worked in the pastor's heart. And eventually the pastor said, you know what? I agree with you. I bless you. I release you. Go and do what God has called you to do. And so then Larry went. And the first month that he started his new church, he received a check in the mail. And it was from his old pastor. And he said, I wanted to sow into your ministry and give you your, face, your first paycheck in your new church. Now, today, Pastor Larry's church is a large, growing, and thriving church in Singapore. But imagine what would have happened had he allowed bitterness to grow in his heart and said something like, you know what? 
All these people appreciate me for is to clean the bathrooms. They don't see that I have all these gifts and skills and can do so much more. Even when I told them that the Lord is leading me and to launch out and to do, to do something greater, I didn't get the support. What if he had left with an attitude where he was angry and upset with unforgiveness in his heart? Where do you think his church would be today? The blessing is so important that Jesus himself did not perform a single miracle. He did not deliver a single message until he himself publicly received the blessing from his heavenly Father. If Jesus needed the blessing of his Father in order to complete his destiny, how much more do our children and those we disciple also need to receive the blessing? So what exactly is the blessing? John Trent, in his book, he mentioned several things. The first one is appropriate and meaningful touch. Before a word was spoken, there was the laying on of hands, a hug, a reaching out to touch. An appropriate touch conveys in powerful, nonverbal ways our love and affirmation, which is preparing the way for our words. With little kids, the attitude, the tone of our voice, the touch, all communicates love. So that's one area, is appropriate and meaningful touch, is part of what makes up the blessing. The next one that John Trent mentions is the spoken message. Biblically, a child wasn't left to fill in the blanks whether or not they were valuable to the parent or grandparent. Words were verbalized to place unconditional love and acceptance into the heart of the child or the loved one. You know, I'm reminded of the husband, he said on his wedding day to his wife, I love you. And 15 years later, she was like, you know, you never really expressed your love for me. And he goes, I said it on my wedding day, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't cut it, especially with kids. And so they need to hear it. It needs to be articulated. The next area, the next part of the blessing is this, attaching high value. What words do you say or write? Well, in short, you're helping someone get the picture that you see things in their life today that make them special, useful, and of great value to you. And so we want to communicate that to people, that they're significant, that they're important, and attach high value. The next area, the next part of the blessing is a special future. With our touch and words that attach high value, a light goes on in their heart and in their mind that through the way God made them, they can do more than they, were, than they ever dreamed of in terms of living out a God-honoring future. So we want to paint a picture of hope. I can't, there's been a number of times when people have given, have given prophetic words to Terry and I about a special future of what God has in store for us and our plans. Uh, one of them, this has happened so many times, as far back as 30 years ago, even uh, when we first got married, um, somebody said, you know, I, I see you traveling a lot. And uh, a guy named Lawrence Banks, he was a prophet from Australia, traveling through Guam. And at that time, I drove this Guam bomb of a car, and I had student loans up to here, and I was like, traveling? How is that going to happen? You know, but after 30 years, other people have said the same thing over and over, probably, I don't know, five or six times. 
And sure enough, it has come to pass. And so these, these are examples of people who were, were, were painting a special picture of God's future. And we can seek the Lord's heart and ask the Lord the same thing for our children and those that we're investing in. God, what do you have for them? And then the next one, as part of the blessing, is a genuine commitment, an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person that says, as long as I have breath, I'll be here to give God's blessing. And so putting all of these together, just summarize them. We'll go to the next slide. Appropriate, meaningful touch, a spoken message, attaching high value and a special future along with a genuine commitment. My prayer is that the Lord would increase our faith and increase our capacity to give and to receive the blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh, God's going to finish what he started. And he's going to do that through you and I. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you, God, for freely blessing. And Lord, as we freely receive, God, would you enlarge our heart, enlarge our capacity to freely give your goodness, your kindness, your hope, your promises. Father, I ask that you would enable us to open our hearts and to receive your abundance. Lord, so that there is an overflow to give, to be a blessing to others. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here. I thank you for the ways that you've been revealing your goodness. I thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I sense even as I'm speaking these words out and praying now that for some of us, that idea of your goodness, your forgiveness, is something that's having a hard place to land for some of us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would work behind the walls and that you would win our hearts and convince us that your love is unconditional, that you are for us and that you are with us. And so, God, would you evangelize those unbelieving places in our hearts? Father, we invite you to reveal your presence and your goodness. And Father, as you work in our hearts, we ask that you would also continue to soften and encourage and impart hope. I've been having a sense, even before I got here this morning, that we are to bless the young people in this church today. And so I just want us to take a moment and look around us. And if there is a young person next to you that you consider to be the next generation, would you place your hand on them? We as a family must take the time, especially many of them have started school. And would you just take a moment Many of them have never had a blessing, but today, as mothers and fathers in the Lord, we're going to bless you. 
And we're going to speak to you that the, the promise that God has for you is that he will prosper you and not harm you. He will give you a hope and a future. And we as a family turn to you and we say to you, you are valuable. You are loved. You are unique. You are special. You have great destiny. We speak that. Would you just speak that over them right now? That the Lord says to you, to each of these young people, the next generation, that you have a future and a destiny. That you are a son and you are a daughter of the Most High God. And we are saying as a family that we are committed to praying for you as you venture out into this next season. Lord, we speak a blessing over every one of these young people. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the privilege and the responsibility to come alongside them, to run with them, to pick them up when they fall, to pray for them, to provide for them, to do battle for them. And we say, as a family, we bless you, and we call forth all that God has deposited in you. We call it out right now in the name of Jesus. We call out your gifting. We call out your value, your identity. We call it out right now in the name of Jesus. We say, let it come out. We call it forth that it will be. That you will walk with the Lord. We speak that out. That you will go on to do great things for our God. We speak that out. And you, some of you, I can hear you say, who, me? Yes, you. Because you have a great God who is behind you right now. And so, Lord, we together as a family, we bless each young person here, the next generation. We say, raise them up, God. Raise them up. Raise them up, Lord. Give them courage. We speak courage and boldness into you. We speak faith, and we call it out. Father, we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. If you would keep your heads bowed yes, and your keep... eyes closed. I want to address another group here in the audience today before we close. You've been hearing us talk about experiencing the blessing of God. That happens through a relationship with him. And if you sense that God has been trying to get your attention recently, that you sense that God is kind of knocking on the door of your life, trying to get your attention, and you've been responding, in fact, you've kind of been searching and seeking, in fact, that's why you're here today. If that describes you and you're interested in experiencing God, but you've never made a formal choice to do that, you've not made a conscious decision to say, yes, God, I want you in my life, but you'd like to do that. And if that describes you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. First of all, the most important thing is just to make the decision and then express that decision to God through prayer. And so we'll pray in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if this is something you'd like to do, um, if you would go ahead and look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. 
And so if that's you, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray together in a moment. Let's pray. Father God, I'm coming to you today, and I'm making a choice to say yes, to open my life to you, because I want to experience you. I want to know you. I sense you've been trying to get my attention recently, and so I'm here. I open up to you. I open my life, and I invite you to come in by your Holy Spirit. I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. Lord, I admit there are things I need forgiveness. You know what they are. Things that have been hurtful to me and to others, and even to our relationship. But I'm asking you, God, to forgive me now. I ask for your spirit of forgiveness to come into my heart and to remove any guilt or shame condemnation. If you're praying this prayer right now, take a moment by faith, by trusting God that he's here and that he's for you and he loves you. And just to receive his spirit of love into your life right now. Just receive it into your heart. Let it come in and remove all the guilt. Jesus took the penalty. He took the payment for you. Father, thank you for what you're doing right now in my heart. I receive you. I accept you. I thank you for coming into my life. And I ask that you would show yourself to me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.